previously on that to podcast. Viene Kaká Buscalano, que buena pelota, golazo. Gol, 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 golazo. Aso, aso, aso de Kaká. So do you believe then that it's just never going to happen with America or, I mean, if we want it to be something that, that, you know, um, gets into the heart of Americans, how do we go about it? I think, I don't think necessarily, I mean, we talk about more scoring and things like that. I don't even, it doesn't even need to necessarily be more scoring. There just need to be more shots. You know, the final score of U.S. Algeria was 1-0. But it was exciting because there was a lot of play around the box. You know, there was a lot of shooting, not always on goal, right. but but a lot of, you know, action. And when two-thirds of the game is played in the midfield, I, I, you know, the, the you, I don't care if you're a, a player, if you're an American that has grown up playing soccer or whatever, I, I just don't think that's going to be exciting. And so, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. I played soccer as a kid. I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world. But I like watching it, and if there are three shots over the course of the game, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna watch it. And so there needs to be not. I mean, I'm fine with a one zero two one score. The uh, the game today between Italy and um, who is it, Slovakia was amazing. Like you watch the last. 10, 20 minutes of that game, and you would become a soccer fan because, yeah. you know, there were all these shots and goals and things like that. Right. Um, and well, so... And how about the, the gash on that guy's knee there in the first oh, half? Oh. Did you see that? Yeah, that was brutal. That Definitely was pretty brutal. gnarly. I mean, yeah, talk about, uh, you know, not faking that dive, that's for sure. Well, that's another thing. That's another thing that I think turns a lot of American sports fans off. And maybe it's just a part of the game that other international fans are used to, but the faking and the diving, it just turns my stomach to see these guys like, you know, get barely clipped or sometimes not even touched and they act like they've been shot or brutally stabbed in the heart. And it's just like, come on. You know, we, we face that in the NBA with flopping and people know who the floppers are and they're just reviled as like, losers and and you know just hated for that right and so well the, the diving issue i think is one that i i, I personally uh am in you know in full agreement with you on that i, I think that and, and here's the thing is it's the easiest fix in the world okay and the way you fix it is this fifa grows a pair of balls <laughs> and tells and tells the players if you are caught diving whether in game or on replay, you know, later after, you know, film game has been reviewed, you're automatically suspended for the next game. I guarantee you the next day, there's not a single dive in the, ne- in the following game. It almost sounds like the, uh, the steroid thing in baseball, where it's right. like they need to suck it up and, and have harsh punishments. Well, and, and I think, and, and, you know, here, going back, I mean, you know, the diving issue kind of does lead a little bit back into the, the, the um, just the, the, the technicality of the game and, and how it's played and that, you know, in today's modern era, you know, the game is played at such a high speed, at such a high pace. A lot of people don't understand that the laws of the game um, really are written 
to uh, give the advantage to the attacking team. You know, whatever the team, whatever team is the aggressor, is going to have most of the laws to their advantage. Um, and so, what you end up having, what you end up having is, you know, if you can get an edge on a team, you know, let's say by getting a, a player red carded or you know thrown out of the game early on, that's such a huge advantage that the incentive to dive is almost stronger than the incentive not to dive. And that's why I say if FIFA really wanted to solve the issue, they would just come out and say, look, uh, we're cracking down on diving. It's no longer going to be an acceptable part of the game, and, and you just have to deal with it. And I suspect that I think what would happen is the game would get um, a lot less physical, which would be good because that would open up more play. You'd have a lot more offensive um, you know, minded teams uh, trying to, to be the aggressors because they know that um, if they get fouled, they're going to get, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a call and, and the referees are going to be protecting the players more. And, and, you know, that's the other half of it. If you're going to crack down on diving, you have to protect the star players more as well. So, you know, otherwise, you know, teams are just going to come in and, and hack at you. And, and um, you know, that's, that's what the game was like 40, 50 years ago. I mean, Pele played in an era where there were no yellow cards. You know, the, the, the yellow card came into existence um, as a way to communicate to fans that, uh, hey, this person has been booked or they've been warned, um, and that was the, the visual cue, if you will. Uh, well, it's, it's sort of taken on a much more psychological uh, effect now in today's game and that teams are, you know, can be demoralized by one or two yellow cards, especially if it's to a key player, you know. Right. Um, but in any case, uh, I, I think that um, going back to the issue of, of scoring and more opportunities, the thing you have to ask yourself is this. Uh, okay, let's, let's, let me ask you guys this. What rule would you get rid of or do you think you could get rid of to make soccer more attacking, more... Um, uh, exciting or interesting. Well, the one you hear the most often is eliminating offsides. Correct. Now, why, I'm going to ask you guys a critical question, and I expect Jacob to answer this as well as you, Joe. <laughs> why would eliminating offsides be bad? I'm going to let Joe take this one. <laughs> I don't know that it would be, other than the fact that you have guys like cherry-picking down there all the time. Correct. Now, what would happen if you have guys cherry-picking? What's what? How is the team? How is the defense? How is the team going to the opposing team going to respond defensively? They're going to keep guys back to watch them. Okay, and as a consequence of that, what's going to happen in the midfield? It's going to be more wide open. Well, it'll be more wide open, but then now what you're going to have is you're going to have more space in the midfield for what? Long balls. What you would basically <laughs> have is you would have a series of balls that are being just you know. Just played in. Played in from long distances. And what you're effectively eliminating is the the buildup of the play. Yeah. You see, this is where I go back to the the organic um, uh, factor or the organic component, if you will, of of the game in that with offsides, eliminating offsides, what you effectively do is you make the game one-dimensional. You make it an up-and-down game. And the thing that makes football you know, or soccer attractive is the fact that teams have to string um, not just one or two or three passes together. They have to keep the ball in possession, in their possession, for as, as much of 
the length of the field as possible. And then on top of that, when they get into the, the danger zone, when they get into the box, they have to make the best of their opportunities and try to get a shot on goal. So it's that deliberate approach. It's that deliberate, you know, and of course, some teams, you know, some superpowers over the years have developed a style of play that's more efficient at that than others. Uh, and others, you know, other teams, other nations don't have, you know, it's less prevalent today than it was, you know, in yesteryear. But uh, most most teams nowadays are pretty darn athletic and pretty fast. But um, for the most part, what you have is um, you have, you know, some some styles of play that are more deliberate, that are more slow, that, that work the ball more towards the middle, that pass the ball a lot more, short, quick passes. And the purpose of that is to try to get teams to draw them out to open up space behind them. And, and so the offside rule really is there. It's the one rule that does give some help to the defending team, but the offside, the, the presence of the offside rule, what it does is it creates that second dimension, which is the width of the field. Because when you open, when, when that's why you see, that's why uh, you know a main strategy. You know, it doesn't matter if it's North Korea or if it's Brazil. You know, you want to get the ball to the wings because what that does is it creates the space in the middle of the park. And then right. you have players that can, you know, if they're smart, they know where to run. They know where to run at uh, defenders um, to create those, those scoring opportunities. Now, the teams that do it better are the ones that have the more technical and more skilled players that can keep the ball, that don't lose it so easily, and that are able to make accurate and, and precise passes. So by eliminating the offside rule, what you're essentially going to create is a, um, a, a, a very strong athletic team, but it does, it's not pretty. It won't be pretty. It'll be, it'll be who has the stronger or the fastest forward versus which team is, is better. You, you know, there? yeah, you know, that's actually a very sound argument. I, I, I've heard a lot about limiting off sides and stuff like that. And I have, I, that's the best argument against it that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, to a lot of people's credit, it makes sense. You know, it's the first thing that sticks, that sticks in your mind. It's like, well, why, you know, I, I heard, uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys get KMBR out there, right? Yep. Hey, I heard uh, Ralph and Tom talking the other day and, and, you know, they're making that same argument, and, and Tom was basically saying, why is there offsides in any sport? You know, any rule that cuts down on scoring isn't good. Well, the fact of the matter is is that, you know, soccer, to my knowledge, is the only sport where the, the defining play, you know, the goal, can be scored in many different ways. It can be a spectacular, you know, cracking shot, as the English would say, uh, from 30 yards out. Uh, or it could be a total scrappy, you know, scrum goal in the in the, in the middle of the, you know the six yard goalie box, um, you know. Or it can be, you know, a last gasp ditch effort by like the U.S. scored the, um, you know yesterday. I mean, the goal can be scored in any number of ways. You, you've seen it. It could even be scored illegally, you know, as demonstrated by the the fat cherubim. Um, so, you know, I think that what people, like I said, I think. People in this country will never come to an understanding of why there there is such low scoring. Um, because in order to understand that, you have to grow up playing the sport, and you have to grow up playing the sport passionately. Well, I've got a couple other reasons why Americans aren't interested in soccer. Okay. And here's the big one. In the last, let's say, 10 years, 10, 15 years, mostly, more like 5 or 10 probably, mostly, uh, what has been the biggest 
um, rise or or change in the landscape of American sports? I would have to say NFL, the NFL. Not a specific sport. Okay. Um, Just something that has changed about how people view and are involved with sports. High definition. That's a good guess, not it. Oh. I, I would have said that, actually. Something yeah. Jacob's been recently introduced to. Uh, would it be the steroid abuse, the no. performance-enhancing drugs? No, I've been doing that Something for years. Something you've been introduced to on this podcast. <laughs> Go Walla. No. <laughs> Fantasy sports. Fantasy sports. Ah, yes. Fantasy sports has totally changed the way people follow sports. That's and in right. soccer, it if you have one one zero games, zero zero games, there's no way Americans are going to follow that. You, you'll you know there'll be like three or four guys that are good and score a lot of goals, and the rest of them. I mean, what are you going to so what are you going to keep score on? I mean, how they going to create a fantasy soccer league that gets people interested? Well, I'm saying I don't know how you could do that. Aside from somehow changing the league to where you're scoring a lot more. I mean, people do fantasy hockey where there's goals and assists and things like that. Fantasy football is not just touchdowns and field goals. You get points for so many yards and stuff. I mean, maybe you get your player gets a point for every shot taken. and and, It's still not that much, though. That's a very astute point, my Padawan. (laughs) Are you talking to me or Jacob? For Jacob. Jacob makes a really good point there. It's like, okay, how how many times did you hear uh, uh, about a guy rushing for 900 yards 10 years ago? I mean, it's like, unless you rush for 1,000 yards, it was almost almost never really, you know, talked about or or heard of. So I think that, uh, Joe, you you underestimate a little bit here the powers that be, uh, their their impetus in in trying to draw more people into to a sport or, or get money. Uh, I actually have played, you know, as as, as big of a, a soccer nerd as I am. I actually have played fantasy soccer, the fantasy EPL, the, the English Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be surprised how many stat categories. Yeah, I'm curious. What what it, is it like? Completed passes or? Yep, you have you tackles have everything from possession. Uh, how many you know? How many touches the player had? To uh, you know, did he did this particular player uh, play a clean sheet? Um, you know, did, did did his team have a clean sheet? I should say uh, in, in the game. Um, did, you know, obviously you have your the more obvious ones: goals, uh, assists, uh, yellow cards, red cards. Um, I'm kind of blanking here, but I I know that there's at least I would say probably five to ten more statistic categories than all the obvious ones. You know, appearances, you get points for appearances. Because, see, that's the thing is, once you start to follow, you know, let's say, uh, you know, I'm going to challenge you guys to, to, to follow the English Premier League, um, which starts up in, in mid-August. Well, I wanted to get to that in a little bit. I, I want I want to, I want you to 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 pick for me or, or to suggest for me a league or a team or something like that because I am interested. I do I do want to be able to follow it more even though, you know, I, I don't think I'll be able to watch that many games if they're not on TV. Right. Um, I, I, you know, with ESPN and things like that, you can get the information Absolutely. very easy. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll save my point. But safe to say, because I want to return to something Jacob said uh, to answer your question. But safe to say, there there is... Uh, I, I would even say we we delve into a little uh, you know fantasy soccer this coming up fall uh, because I think you would be surprised to see that there are a lot more categories because again as I said statistics are just that they're 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 made up you know or you know you either make them up 
or you develop them or you derive them somehow. Uh, but you can basically uh, statistify, if that's even a word, uh, I think any sport, you know. But you know, there, there are actually, yeah, I mean, there's fantasy NASCAR. There's, there's actually <laughs> fantasy baseball umpiring where you pick... <laughs> Where you pick umpires and you get, you get points. Blowing a perfect game. Yeah, yeah, you get points for like how many ejections they get over the course of a season. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. See, that's just you got to love the permeation of Vegas in, in sports gambling because right? that's that's really where it's come down. To. I would I would I would participate in fantasy soccer if one of the categories was number of times pretending to be hurt and then immediately jumping back up after the call has been made. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's funny. Um, okay, but I just want to bring you back. I, before we leave the, the, the why soccer will never be big in this country, I have a little bit of insight uh, of, uh, for you guys. I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but another reason that I think soccer will probably never catch on here to the degree it could is a dirty little secret that I, I don't think many people understand or realize is that the game itself actually doesn't translate that well in, uh, through the TV as one would think. And here's the reason why. When you go to a game live and you watch what's happening, you would be surprised to see just how much is happening off the ball. And in soccer, much like in hockey, the focus of the cameras tends to be where but on the ball, right? It's, right? it's wherever the ball is, wherever the ball goes, wherever the ball is kicked. And I think that a lot of people lose what's happening, you know, especially on the opposite side of the field where the ball um, is, um, or I should say isn't, um, because they're missing uh, strategic placement and runs by certain players um, off the ball that, that is completely dictating how and where the ball is kicked or played to. So So you think because of how it's shot on TV, we lose a lot of the coolness that's going on, and therefore, unless there's some way that they can present that to us? I think the, the, the main point that I'm getting to is, is yes, the, the experience of watching the game live is not as good as, as it could be, I guess you could say, on TV. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what they could do TV-wise to, to, to present it better, but the, the, the more bigger point of that is that where are Americans going to go to see good soccer? I mean, I love MLS. I'm glad that it's here. It's good that, that we have our own league, but it's just not, it's just, I would say, at least two notches below what most people want to see. I was I watched a documentary the other day and I learned that the MLS was actually mandated by FIFA yes. um, as a as as part of us getting the World Cup in ninety four. They said if you're gonna get the World Cup, you have to have a domestic league as well. That, that is in fact right. I thought and, that was crazy. and in many ways that's good and in many ways it's bad. You know, of course, the league is only, what, you know, 14, 15 years old, um, so it's still growing, but just the quality of play is not there. And I suspect that if you get a lot of World Cup carryover to MLS games, 
that you're going to see a huge drop-off after about one or two games of people watching MLS because, for one, you're just not going to get the same urgency and the, uh, excuse me, and the same, um, you know, you know, high stakes of the World Cup in MLS because you know it's it's a different competition entirely for for starters. You know, it's a it's a whole season long. Um, you know, most of the people that uh, watch the World Cup are probably going to back to want to following their their teams. Well, and we don't have good players. The best American players go elsewhere. So if we, you know, if there's a really good American player, we're not watching him in our American league. They're Correct. going somewhere else. And I think that's another reason why the U.S. is never going to be that into soccer is because, um, you know, our best athletes are playing in the NBA, in the in baseball. Well, not probably not baseball as much, but NBA and NFL. And so our, our team is not comprised of the best American athletes. The best American athletes are doing something else. And so we don't, you know, when I watch these World Cup games and I see Messi or I see um, Cristiano Ronaldo or I see a handful of guys from all these other teams, they're, you know, doing these jaw-dropping moves. They're doing these things sometimes seeming effortlessly, sometimes just all over the place. Right. And And we don't have a guy like that. We, you know... Uh, Donovan's a good player. Altidore, I think, will be a good player in time. But these guys are nowhere, in my mind, from what I see, they're nowhere near the level of these players on the other teams. Some teams have, you know, four or five guys right. that that just do these amazing things and, and, you know, juke people and do all this stuff. And we we don't have that. I think we absolutely... What we need a guy. We need a uh, one person who stands out there and is like, "I'm one of the top five soccer players in the world, and I'm an American." We we need that, and it's not going to happen. I think our best player might even be Tim Howard, our goalie. Right. And, yeah, and, and no I one's going to get and, behind and a again, goalie. I think that goes back to a little bit about what I was saying earlier about the average American sports fan. Is you know, I think by and large, most people want to get the most bang for their buck as far as you know, their free time and their dollars go. And um, you're just, I mean, I hate to say it, but you're just not going to get that with the MLS. You know, you can get into it, but you have to have really, really low expectations. You can't, you're not going to be able to go from watching the, you know, this next phase of the tournament, the knockout stage of the World Cup, to all of a sudden watching a Thursday night game between Columbus and L.A., and have the same experience. It's just not going to happen. And so I think that, uh, you know, what needs to happen, a lot of people think that the success of soccer in this country depends uh, on the national team. I I think it's the opposite. I think it depends on on the strength and success uh, of the uh, domestic league. And and if more people, uh, or I should say, if more skilled players um, start saying, hey, I want to go play in the U.S., you're not going to really have that, you know. You're not, you're not going to have that interest. And you know, Beckham, as much as as much intrigue and interest as he brought initially, you saw he just wasn't able to sustain it because you know soccer is just not one of those sports where you know you're going to have one person shine all the time. I mean, you know, if a player like a like a Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo came and 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 played in this in this league, yeah, they would they would absolutely set the league on fire. But you know what? It wouldn't last because I guarantee you, uh, after the the third or fourth time of them making a team look silly, the next time he goes out, uh, there's going to be blood. You know, the, the team's yeah. not going to let 
teams aren't going to let that player do those things to them all the time. And so that what's going to happen is that player's going to get hurt or that player's going to get tired after a while. So it's just not going to be sustained. That's just not a, a good, you know, sustainable model. You know, I think what what's going to have to happen is over time, again, I go back to the, this, the same example. These, these countries have a head start on us when it comes to this sport. And I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take, uh, you know, multiple generations of your Josie Altidores and your Landon Donovans growing up and, 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 and uh, you know, honing their skills here in MLS and ultimately uh, making it over to a big team in Europe, you know. I think that Landon Donovan going to a team like a Manchester United or a Chelsea or a Real Madrid or Barcelona would do infinitely more good for the sport in this country than if a, a, a player of that caliber, uh, you know, that, that same caliber of being able to play for those teams were to come here and play, say, for the Red Bulls or for the Galaxy. Because you know what? In the end, we want one of our own. We want our guy. We want our guy to say, hey, Landon Donovan wears the number 10 jersey for the Red Devils of Manchester United. That would be a huge source of pride. And I think that people all of a sudden would become, you know, big Manchester United fans, you know, going back to the whole fair weather thing there. All of a sudden you start to see Man United jerseys everywhere, you know, and, and that's how you start to build an interest is, is, is you get one of our own to go and play for the best clubs, and the best clubs aren't here. They're, they're elsewhere. They're in Europe. I think the other way you get Americans interested is somehow integrate country music. <laughs> because or cheerleaders? I, th- I, think you, I think you've got as many uh, New York people and L.A. people, you know, East and West Coast people into it as you're going to get. You need to get the middle America, and for that you need That's a good point. country music. Well, the, uh, the nickname for the Liverpool uh, team in, in England is the Reds. And if we are targeting the Red States, you know, huh? little connection there. There you go. <laughs> Maybe give out a pack of Marlboro Reds at every game. Ooh, that's there you go. <laughs> um, Jacob and I, we actually had a, a, a gravy moment as we, uh, as I arrived here at his house, Podcast Central, this evening. Wait, um, a gravy moment is that code talk for like? You know how like twins have their little mental connection? That's our gravy. Okay, it's, some, it's the connection then. we have. I was. Uh, I, I was thinking this in my mind, and then I, I I walk in the door, and he starts singing it. We both agree the biggest thing that's missing from this World Cup is a great song like Ricky Martin's "Cup of Life" from uh, I think was it 94? 90, 98, 94? 98. Yeah. Let's let's be clear. Not a great song, but a great but an uh, amazing song, but transcendent song. A great song to encompass that moment. You wouldn't walk down the street and, and want to listen to that. I, La Copa de Vida? Independent of World Cup, you don't want to listen to that? Sure. Okay. Here we go. Well, ale, ale, ale. And for the final, because I guarantee you the uh, the performance, uh, uh, the, the, the halftime performances, or I don't know if they're going to do halftime or, or pregame performances, but uh, I've been really, I've been bumping, as they say, as the kids say here uh, in, in the rough parts of Livermore, I've been bumping a little Kanon, uh, which is a... Uh, Somali rap artist who who came here to the to the states and then I, I guess now resides in in uh, good old Canada uh, and his music is actually quite compelling I must say it's it's very good and his his uh, hit single Wave and Flag I think is has been kind of uh, taken up as the like official anthem for Coca Cola uh, in this World Cup. Uh, well, who among us doesn't love Somali rap? <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. The only music I ever hear is the like African tribal sounding music when they you know they turn it on and they show that you know it comes on and they show the little uh, logo for the World Cup with the bicycle kick, kicking right. guy and they go you know it's the little I'm not gonna do it but the little African. Wait, sound. does it sound kind of like, Inya! Nah, it's a little extended more sounds that, like but. you're yelling in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Um, okay, so we, we, we teased this a little bit before, uh, or mentioned it, um, as we're getting to kind of the tail end of the podcast and wrapping up this longer than, this is the uh, uh, Wimbledon first round yes, match exactly. of podcasts for us. Are, yeah. I think are we going to call this podcast? This is a Wimbledon podcast. Instead of <laughs> could a... be, could sure. be uh, Mahout versus <laughs> Ibsen or whatever the guy's name was. Yeah, yeah something like shows that. how transcendent it is that I forgot the guy's right. name. When are we going to get the U.S. into tennis? Yeah, um, that'll be our next podcast. <laughs> I I, I want to follow a team, and it sounds like it sounds like my best bet is following EPL. English Premier League. I have a challenge, not just for you and Jacob, but for every single one of your hot-blooded, you know, sport-infused, uh, passionate male listeners. So Rachel, too. That oh, male. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you have many. Uh, this is, it's a simple challenge, and it's and it actually, I think what you'll find is that you you'll generate your own interest after a while because you're going to get to a point where you're going to say, I have to wake up and watch one of these games. I just have to. Um, and what the challenge is, it's a two-part challenge. Okay. The first part is go out and buy a book called Bloody Confused. And it's um, written by a man named Chuck Culpepper. Chuck was a, I believe I want to say a columnist for USA Today. He covered uh, the NFL. Can I buy it on my Kindle? I, you might be able to buy it on your Kindle. I'm going to look yeah. it up right now. Plug for Amazon there. Um, it's a really <laughs> easy read. App. It's very entertaining. And basically, it, um, <clears throat> it, it sort of follows the uh, interest that, that this guy uh, starts developing in soccer when he... Oh, $9.99. When he gets absolutely burnt out on American sports. You know, he has this epiphany moment... Uh, during one of the media days in, in the Super Bowl a few years back, I forget which one, where he just says, I've had it with all of this, you know, crap that we deal with here in, in, uh, in America, and I just want to be a sports fan again. And, he, and that's where he starts, and he, and he goes and spends some time in England, and, you know, one thing leads to another, and, and, he, and he gets on this, you know, huge roller coaster of a ride following a, a team called Portsmouth, um, you know, during a season in which they almost get relegated, which for the soccer neophyte means uh, thrown down a division. Right. Uh, the EPL is, is uh, you know, of course, uh, in England, uh, there's four tiers of, of English football. Um, and each tier kind of has uh, a turnover in which, you know, the bottom teams get, um, you know, moved down to the, to the league below them. The top teams get moved up to the league above them. And, of course, the ultimate prize is to be the champions of the top, top league, which is the EPL. Uh, and so he follows his team through a relegation battle uh, in which... Well, don't tell me all that's going to happen. Yeah, I just, I just actually downloaded okay, but, but it onto in, my in any, iPhone, in any case, it's a great so I will read it. That's part one of the challenge. Part two of the challenge is give yourself one hour a week. That's all I ask. <laughs> one hour a week 
to follow the EPL. And the way you follow it is very simple. You need to have Fox Soccer Channel, for one, okay? Uh, most, you know, if you have any kind of, like, extended sports package or, you know, you get, uh, you know, the MLB network or, you know, the NFL network, you should have this channel already. But if you don't, call your local cable provider and find out what it would cost to get Fox Soccer Channel. Are you, are you willing to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pay for the first day. How's that? <laughs> Does Fox Soccer Channels do a lot of stories about how great Sarah Palin is? <laughs> no, it's not that kind of a Fox channel. Believe oh, okay. Me. Um, I wouldn't do that to, to your viewers or to your listeners. <laughs> um, but uh, what you do is you – so you get the channel. Once you get the channel, they pretty much carry uh, the main – TV rights for the English Premier League here in the U.S. Um, now, before I get all your Spanish and German and Italian viewer, viewers jumping down my throat, why I'm not, uh, you know, suggesting the Serie A Italy or the Bundesliga in Germany or the La Liga in Spain, I think it's easier to just go to a league that I think has more similarities than differences. And that's why I think the EPL is the best because... English have, share a lot of traits with us. You know, they hate diving. They hate diving just as much as Americans do, uh, you know, for starters. So anyway, uh, I can get a, on a whole tangent on, on, on that point alone. But anyway, so um, once you get the channel, Fox Soccer Channel has the rights to show EPL games here in America. And what they do is they produce um, a couple of, of, of shows that revolve around the EPL and the, and the goings-on. Uh, throughout, you know, you know, week in and week out uh, during the season. So it's it's and the baseball up. tonight of English soccer. What's that? It's the baseball tonight of English soccer. Basically, basically, but it's it, what was the weekly show that they used to do? Was it Inside Baseball? This or, week in baseball. Yeah. What's that? This week in baseball. This week in baseball. Hey, clever with the names. It's basically Twib. This week in baseball, but of the EPL, and they have it every Sunday evening at I think five or six o'clock after all the Sunday games are over. And what you'll get is you'll get all the action. You won't get any of the, the you know, the terrible nil-nil draws or anything like that. You'll only get, you know, all of the highlights of every single game. And they'll, they'll update you with the point standings, you know, on, you know, the tables, as they call them over there, uh, every week. And I think what you'll find is after a while you're going to identify which team it is that you like or that you would like to see play more. And chances are... It's going to be one of four teams. It's going to be either Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, or Liverpool. Um, you know, maybe with like a Tottenham or Aston Villa sprinkled in there for good measure. Uh, but then what you'll do is you'll just look up the schedule, see when the next time that particular team is playing, and you can either TiVo the game or you can get up to watch it live. Um, the good thing is is that this World Cup is kind of preconditioning everybody to, to getting up early or having that sense of waking up early. Um, because most of the games will be on either at 7 in the morning, 9 in the morning, or I think sometimes as late as 11.30 in the morning. So um, that's a good way to start. Watch um, the English Premier League review show and uh, and go from there. And I think what you'll find is that after a while, you, you will be intrigued enough to want to watch the game. And what you'll find is that the games are a little bit more... Uh, or resemble a little bit more of what we're seeing now in the World Cup because uh, of the structure of the league and the way that uh, the champions are decided. Um, every game counts. 
Okay, it's a series. You know, basically in the EPL, you have a 38-game season uh, for the league, and um, you know, teams need points. You know, the top teams especially know the urgency of winning and winning often. Here's my question: um, with uh, with the sports that I follow, mostly being uh, baseball and football, okay. the schedules are easy for baseball. We played pretty much every day, typically at least six days a week. For football, it's once a week, Saturday or uh, Sunday, sometimes Monday. For soccer, I never feel like I have any clue, like, do they play once a week? Do they play once every two weeks? Are the games four days apart? I have no idea, like, how the scheduling works. Well, luckily, the, the, the book that I recommended, uh, Bloody Confused, will clear up some of that. But, okay. but to answer your question, you know, in short form... Uh, in that regard, I think um, the EPL and, and, in particular, just you know, international, um, you know, our domestic leagues across Europe share this, that same kind of mantra that the NFL does, which is you don't oversaturate the people with games, and it makes some, it makes you look forward toward the game. Um, so the games are usually one once a week. Sometimes uh, during the um, the season, you'll get. Uh, you know, a Tuesday night or Wednesday night game. But for the most part, games are either on the weekend or middle of the week. Um, now, there are other competitions. I think that's where a lot of people sometimes get confused. It's like, okay, Arsenal's playing, you know, Wolverhampton in the EPL, but then they have this other game in a couple days against, uh, you know, Barcelona. Don't they play right. in the Spanish League? What the heck? Or, or they might play a national team. Or, uh, actually... That doesn't happen very often. It, if it does, it's usually an exhibition, right. and it's usually during the off season. But for a club team to play a national team, you don't usually see that very often. But but um, I think sometimes what will happen is people will see the abbreviations and they'll mistake it for uh, you know a national team. I, I I personally haven't seen that very often, but but I have seen it. Um, but you know, going back to the point, I think. What confuses a lot of people is there are different competitions that, for example, I'm a big Arsenal fan, huge Arsenal supporter. I'd love to get out to London to watch them play live at, at the Emirates Stadium, their their home stadium. Um, but they are one of the premier premier teams in Europe, and in a given se- in a given season, you know, the seasons usually run from August to about mid to the end of May. Uh, in a given season, Arsenal will play anywhere from 50 to 60 games. And you say, well, how can they play so many games if they only have a 38-game season? Well, that's just it. Is they, they play in different competitions. So you have your league, which is like, it's just like any other league. So like the NFL, you know, you have a regular season and then you crown a champion at, at the Super Bowl. In, in, in the English Premier League, the champion is crowned by, by showing consistency throughout the whole season, and it's based off points. So right. the, the team with the highest points at the end of the season is, is the crown champion. As opposed to a playoff system. There's no playoff, correct. Um, okay, so you mentioned a few teams earlier. And I actually, before you did that, I made a list of qualifications that I'm looking for in a team that I support. Yes. And here are my four qualifications. One, they must be successful. I don't want to root for some loser team. Not that I want, you know, not that I want to be like, I'm rooting for the Yankees type thing or whatever. But, right. you know... Um, Two, I'd like them to have an American player. Okay. Three, I want them to have some cool traditions, which I think probably all of the teams have. Yes. And four, I want them to not be Manchester United. 
those are those are good qualifications there, now, uh, especially the last one. I know that um, you know those are all teams I'm somewhat familiar with. Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool were the three aside from Manchester United, right. um, and um, Arsenal. I'm a fan of uh, soccer video games. I've been playing them for quite some time now, and Arsenal is a team that I've always kind of liked. But I, but part of me feels like Arsenal was really good, like eight or ten years ago. And I, I, if if I pick a team to back, I don't want it to be like, uh, you know, France and Italy right now, where they have a bunch of guys who used to be great and are now fading. You're killing me here. Oh, the wounds to the heart. <laughs> is that is that a little too close to the truth? A little, a little too close to the truth there, just a little bit. You know, Are you impressed then with my soccer acumen? I ask you this, a, follow-up, uh, a follow-up question here. When you say successful, does that mean you want to win a championship or let's say the, the, you want to win the league maybe next season, maybe in two seasons, maybe in three seasons? In, in other words, if you, if you were born in, you know, in Boston, you know, after the last you know, Red Sox championship, you know, before this one that they won in 2004, uh, would you root for the Red Sox or would you maybe pick the Yankees who were having just as, who were at the start of their success at that time? Because they were both, I mean, you know, regionally, they're right there, right? It's been 22 years since the Dodgers have won a World Series and I'm still rooting strong for them. So I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not needing a championship every year or anything like that. Well, right, and the Dodgers... Are a winning team, even though they haven't gone all the way. I mean, so I think by successful, do you just mean you want a team that wins more than they lose? Yeah, I want a team that's going to finish in the top half of the yeah. table. Okay. I want a team that that is. I'm not worried necessarily is going to you know go down to the lower league. Right. Um, I want a team that um, you know maybe isn't the favorite to win every year, but that they have you know that there are some years. Where at least you're like, ah, oh, this could be the year, you know? Right. Well, in that case, what I'll suggest to you is this. Pretty much in, in, in the EPL, I'll just make it real simple for you. Every year, there's probably only about four teams, maybe five, that have a realistic shot at winning the trophy. And pretty much almost every year, you know, the teams that, that are moved up to the EPL from the previous season, you know, from being promoted, right. usually end up getting relegated. So I would say there's probably a short list of about 10 teams that you could pick that would never really have a chance of being relegated. Um, but of those 10, maybe only three or four have a realistic shot at winning, you know. So the main criteria that I would suggest to you is pick a team that you like watching play. Pick a team that has a style of play that's appealing to you. And I think that for starters, that's going to be a good place because at the very least, you know, it'll be a team that's competitive. It'll be a team that's going to be, uh, you know, that you're going to enjoy watching play. Um, and, you know, every you know couple of years, maybe they'll even contend. Uh, to, to win the whole thing. I, I kind of fell into Arsenal because of two players. Uh, in the 94 World Cup, my favorite player of that World Cup was Dennis Bergkamp. Uh-huh. Um, and like a year or the season after uh, the World Cup, 
I think in 95, Arsenal signed him. And then again in the 98 World Cup when France won it, I was a big, big fan of Thierry Henry. Right. Um, who was a huge disappointment for me this World Cup. I, mean, I, don't, I, mean, I think he played like 20 minutes. That's another thing I don't understand about soccer is like sometimes some of the very best players don't play. And I know with Italy, Pirlo is one of their best players. He finally came in in this game. Right. And it's like seriously – well, he was I, hurt. He was nursing, I, I think, a calf But I don't care if in. you're hurt. This is the World Cup. Like, uh, what are you saving it for if not for the World Cup? That magnifies it more is, you know, he, this is probably his last World Cup. Right. Like, so, that, does, that makes no sense so, yeah, to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Thierry Henry, you know, that we can do a whole podcast on the, uh, on the you know, foils and, and trials and tribulations of the French. Uh, the Jacob French is team. nodding his head furiously in excitement right now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I mean, no. You know, in the end, what it what attracts you to a team is is the way they play, kind of the character of the team. Um, and I unwittingly, or you know, I mean, you know, unbeknownst to me, became an Arsenal fan. Arsenal is a cool name. You can't, it is a cool name. You don't get a much cooler team name than Arsenal. Exactly. The Gunners, you know, and all the fans are known affectionately throughout the world as Gunners, you know, and uh, and Arsenal definitely is a cool name. Uh, so you're getting back to. Um... Why Arsenal? And, and he, here's my thought. I, I'm looking at these names, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool. Ars, Arsenal sounds cool. Chelsea is a girl's name, which... Right. And, and, and I, I, Chelsea my, Clinton. I think Chelsea Clinton, which is not a huge uh, winning point for me. Right. And then... Um, Liverpool? Liverpool's kind of cool. Is the I, Beatles? I, well, I think of a pool full of liver. Oh, which that? Is, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Right. Maybe a pool of replacement livers that we can swap go. out. Now, here, one of my things is that they have to have a United States player. Does Arsenal have a U.S. player on their team? Unfortunately, uh, let's, let's just say the rest of or the English media likes to refer to Arsenal as uh, uh, the French national team in England. <laughs> ah. uh, Ar- you know, Arsenal is coached by Arsene Wenger, a Frenchman who has quite a penchant for uh, francophone. Oh, I am crossing Arsenal off my list. Yeah, I, I, I knew that that was probably going to be something that... Uh, that and, and again, I started supporting them before I even knew this. So, um, But, uh, you know, I think that uh, you, know, you can't go wrong, obviously, with any of the big four teams. But then again, you risk being called a frontrunner. You, know, you risk being called a glory boy. Um, I think that one of the things that you might want to do is wait and see where... Uh, Landon Donovan goes after this oh. World Cup because I'm telling you, there is no other player who has uh, increased his stock uh, than Landon Donovan in this World Cup. I mean, yeah. Michael Bradley is another player who uh, probably uh, did himself really well, uh, at least in these group games. We'll have to see how he does uh, in, in the knockout stages. But, um, you know, wait and see uh, if, uh, if those players go to any big teams, you know, Donovan had a, a short loan spell at Everton, which is actually the uh, crosstown rivals to Liverpool. So isn't that, isn't that where uh, isn't that where Tim Howard is? What's that? T- isn't Tim Howard on Everton? Tim Howard, exactly. Tim Howard's on uh, with uh, plays with Everton. Um, you know, and and they're they're one of those middle, you know, middle top middle half teams. You know, they're not quite on the same level with the the Man United and the Arsenal's and the Chelsea's. Um, but every year they they kind of contend for um, uh, the basically the the Champions League light version uh, of a, of a European uh, Cup competition. 
uh, called the Europa League. Um, so you know they're 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 I would say a, a, a you know medium large sized club uh, to root for, and and the chances of them getting relegated are pretty slim. Um, you know you have Liverpool is owned by a, a pair of Americans now. Uh, I will say though that you probably will not support Liverpool since. Uh, shortly before the World Cup, uh, a bunch of Liverpool fans were seen burning an American flag. Um, so you could probably cross them off your list. Here's the other thing. Uh, Liverpool is the Reds and Chelsea is the Blues. And as a Dodger mm-hmm. fan, I think yeah. i got to go with the Blue team. Right. So there you go. You know, you have, you have your you know, carryover allegiances from, from your, your American sports team. You know, honestly, I think the best thing you can do is, like I said, you know, Watch the, 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 you know, English EPL review show, you know, see which teams kind of stick out in your mind. And I think you might even be surprised by which teams um, you start to, to draw uh, an eye for. It may turn out that, hey, you know what, Man United's not so bad. And, yeah, they're the, the, the big team or the big boys on the block. But, you know, I personally feel that if anybody deserves a pass for, uh, you know, supporting uh, a large team like, like uh, you know, Liverpool or Man United or Arsenal, it's the new people. You know, they're trying to get into the sport. They're trying to to learn it and, and, and adopt teams. I think absolutely they deserve a pass. So I mean, yeah, I agree. If someone's going to start watching baseball, they're going to start rooting for the Red Sox, the Dodgers, or the Cubs. They're not going to all of a sudden start rooting for the Pirates right. or you know the Mariner. You know, some like random team Twins. that hasn't been doing very well. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I understand. While I, I understand and even appreciate your desire not to root for uh, one team uh, or one such team uh, as Man United, um, I wouldn't be mad at you. And in fact, it would give me an opportunity to hate you. So, you know. are Arsenal and Man U the biggest biggest rivals? Um, I would say maybe. See now you're 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 getting at the wound here again. Well, if you are Arsenal, who is your biggest rival? Our, Arsenal's biggest rival is Tottenham. Oh, really? If you became a Tottenham fan, I would pretty much have to stop talking to you <laughs> uh, because Tottenham and Arsenal have a long history. They go way back, um, you know, to the 1890s, I believe, wow. where at the hands of Arsenal, Tottenham was relegated because um, supposedly there was a a, a poisoning. Of um, you know pre-match food. That oh, it's like when L.A. Came, came to Sacramento right. and Kobe Bryant burger. Kobe Bryant had the poisoned uh, yeah room service there burger. You go. There you go. So uh, Arsenal and Tottenham, allegedly, you know, they allegedly, both, thank uh, you, are North London teams. So there's a territorial uh, you know issue there at stake, and uh, you know so there, there's a lot of history there, um, and not to mention the fact that we own Tottenham. So you know pretty much if you'd be, you'd be picking the losing battle there. Uh, but Tottenham is, you know, they are perennial, I guess you could call them contenders. Uh, they did make it into the Champions League competition this year, so they'll be, um, you know, qualifying early on in the competition to try to get into the, the group stages of the Champions League. So that's is, another opportunity to, to watch a team play. You know, that, you know, and the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to venture outside of the Premier League. Um, yeah. The Fox Soccer Channel has, uh, in recent years, done a good job of acquiring uh, at least partial rights to games, um, or I should say to, to other leagues. I know that they show a lot of um, uh, Serie A, the Italian League, 
they, they show the, uh, the top-tier uh, Italian league. Um, so you'll get to see teams like uh, Juventus and AC Milan and Inter Milan, who actually are uh, just won the Champions League this last year. Um, um, so, you know, there's the, 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 the soccer world is your oyster, my friend, I would say. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the one thing that you will not go wrong on is the fact that the team, whatever team you pick, is going to have at least uh, 70, 80 years of history. Uh, and so, if not more. Uh, I think Everton actually is one of the founding uh, teams of the uh, top flight of, uh, of football um, in England. So, you know, you, you're, you're, you, can't, you can't go wrong with a team that's been around for, you know, 100-plus years. Um, and uh, so I would say, you know, watch, watch some of the games if you can. Listen to some of the chants that they sing. Uh, who knows? You might even be swayed to pick a team just based on a, on a couple of chants that they have. Like, uh, let me see if I can think of a, of a gem here. Uh, oh, well, you know, Arsenal, you know, we sing uh, <clears throat> whenever they're either winning or they, they just scored either the first, you know, the first goal in the game usually. They do a rendition of Go West by the Village People of all uh, groups. Wow. Uh, and then and the song goes, one new to the arsenal, one new to the arsenal, one new to the arsenal, one new to the arsenal. And, of course, the great cowboy. The lyrics are amazing in yeah. that song. I didn't realize. How long did it take you to memorize those? <laughs> <laughs> What's even better is the counter to that song. Whenever Arsenal goes up 1-0 and then they lose a game, the, the visiting fans or, or the home fans, depending on if they're the visiting team, will sing, 1-0, and you fucked it up, 1-0, and you fucked it up, 1-0, and you fucked it. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's just a plethora of songs that, uh, that can sway you. But, um, you know, that's definitely one of the appealing things about the EPL is, again, the... the the, the correlation there of, of the cultures, you know, at least we can understand what they're saying. Alex, it has been an illuminating podcast. We have learned so much. Uh, I am looking forward to I already downloaded Bloody Confused onto my iPhone. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this new venture in into the Alex Perez challenge. Yeah. Um, and we'll have to have you on again sometime soon when we get uh, another block of three hours or so to talk more <laughs> soccer. <laughs> Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure. You know you guys can always call me for a little footy talk. All right, sounds good. That's a podcast. That's a podcast. Alright guys.